Amen. Good morning, everybody. Happy fall to you. Did anybody else enjoy a delicious uh, pumpkin latte this morning? Just me? No? Well, you still have time. You still have time after church. Um, it's so good to be with you guys. I'm excited about um, being a part of this series. It's, on, it's an honor to get to, uh, to be a part of this, and I get the, the, the amazing I Am statement by Jesus where he says, I am the resurrection and the life. And, and it's, uh, I was thinking about that a lot this week in preparation, and I thought about there's times in my life where I have tried to resurrect something that was dead. I don't know if you can relate to this, but one of the things I was thinking about is when it comes to cooking. Have you ever made a meal that was so bad you should have just let it die? Right? Anybody else? Like maybe, maybe you, you try to make a pot of soup and you just you try that thing and it's like, oh my goodness, I don't know what happened to that. But you can't just let it die, right? You've got to try to resurrect that thing. So you're like, let me add some salt to this, you know. Salt makes everything better. You throw some salt in there and then everything you do just makes it worse, right? It's like... It's like uh, Frankenstein, you're trying to revive it and you're adding, it just gets it worse. You're like, let me throw some cream in there, maybe some sugar, and before you know it, it turns from a soup into like a gelatin mold, and I don't know, you're like, this is, this is terrible, right? I've had, I've had those experiences before, uh, but I've also, have you, ever, have you ever had the experience where you tried to wake up someone who's a deep sleeper? This is, this is trying to resurrect someone from the dead, because if you, I'm not a deep sleeper, but my wife is, and if you know someone who's a deep sleeper, it's almost like they're dead when they're asleep. And early on in our marriage, we had, we had a, a very uh, terrifying experience for me. I'm still traumatized by it. Um, I, my, I would, my wife would fall asleep on the couch, and if I went to bed without waking her up, she would get very angry. And uh, she'd be like, why would you leave me out there? But what she didn't realize is when I tried to wake her up, it was like an exorcism gone bad because Jen would not wake up. Some sort of demon would wake up. And, and she would come up swinging. I mean, she'd be trying to punch me. I got popped a few times. There'd be screaming. Um, I don't know how the cops didn't get called, but it was bad. And to make, to make it the worst, in the morning, she would not remember any of it. You know, like I'd, I'd still have some hostility. I'm like, I can't believe she's like, hey, babe, what's going on? You know, she didn't know what happened the night before, right? It's these moments in life where uh, sometimes trying to resurrect dead things never works out uh, well for us. But uh, what's amazing, what I'm thankful for is, when we read this statement, when we think about the idea of the resurrection and that Jesus is the resurrection and the life, it's not only a good thing, it's the most beautiful, important, and integral part of what it means to be a Christian. Like this statement today that we're going to look at and we're going to dive into that Jesus makes about himself is one of the cores of the gospel. It's one of the cores of what it means to be a follower of him, what it means to be a Christian. And so I want to encourage you as we look at this story in the book of John and we look at this statement, this I am statement that Jesus makes, I want to encourage you to lean in this morning. And maybe you're here for the first time, maybe you're watching online, maybe you're not a Christian, you're, maybe you're new to the church or whatever, and I want to encourage you to lean in for this reason. Forget what you've heard about Christianity, forget what uh, preconceived ideas you have or notions that you have about Christianity. This statement today is the heart of Christianity. If we get nothing else right, this is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And maybe if you're here for, for a long time, maybe you've been a Christian your whole life, I want to encourage you to lean in this morning. And here's why. As I was looking at this passage, I think one of the warnings and one of the realities for many of us who have been serving Jesus for a long time is we would dismiss this as a beginner statement. But when we're honest with our hearts, the reality is we live 
saying we believe this to be true, but we don't live like it actually is. And so this morning, I think the Holy Spirit wants to challenge your hearts, no matter how long you've been a Christian, that maybe it's possible this morning that he's got something new for you, that maybe we've, we're acting like we believe this, but we're not living it. So would you join me this morning as we're going to read the book of John, chapter 11. I'm going to start at verse 17. We're going to read down to verse 27. We'll have it up on the screen for you. It said, Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been dead in the tomb for four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to open your word this morning. Thank you that, Holy Spirit, you are here. You live in us and dwell in us. And I pray that you would challenge us and convict us, no matter where we are or what we're believing or feeling today, open up our hearts to hear from you and be moved by you and what it means that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. I pray that statement would change us forever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So um, we're going to look at this story this morning of Lazarus and Martha and Mary and Jesus. And, and what's happening in this story is Jesus is coming towards the end of his ministry. Uh, it's not long after this that he will go to uh, the cross. He will die on the cross. Uh, three days later, he rises from the dead, right? And then he spends time. He appears to hundreds of disciples who see him. And eventually, he says, I've got to go, and I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And he ascends into heaven with the promise of his return. And so this story that we just read is not long. Um, it's a little bit before that all, the, all those events will happen. And Jesus is with his disciples, and he's teaching, and he's preaching, and he gets word that one of his dear, close friends, a man who he loves, Lazarus, is sick. And this is not just like, I have a cold. This is, you're going to die sick. And Lazarus, we know, is the brother of Martha and Mary. And Martha and Mary come up in some of the other um, gospel stories. We learn about them. And, and what we know is the Bible says that Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. And so it says Jesus loved them. He hears this news, right, that Lazarus is dead. And his response is he's going to stay where he is for two more days. Which is kind of a weird response, right? What that means is because Jesus loved Lazarus, he was going to let him die which is kind of a weird showing of affection. I think we can all agree in here. Most of us were like, no, nah, I'm good. I just, I'll just go with the classic hug. You know, I don't need, to, need you to let me die. But for whatever reason, and we'll find out in a, in a little bit why that's the case, Jesus says, out of my love and my affection for them, I'm going to allow Lazarus to die. And so he waits two days and then after decides to travel to where Lazarus and Martha and Mary are living. And um, we, we come to the point where we just read, where Martha hears that Jesus is approaching. And by this time, Lazarus has now been dead for four days. And so Martha comes out on the road and she approaches Jesus and has this interaction which we read. And it's, it is rich with some truths that I think we need to hear this morning. 
This interaction between Martha and Jesus reveals something about her heart, but also, I think, about our hearts this morning. And so Martha comes up, and in verse, uh, in verse uh, 23, it says this, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. So Martha comes up, she goes, Jesus, if you had been here, he wouldn't have died. And Jesus says, your brother will rise again. And then listen to Martha's response. I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And so Martha reveals uh, something about herself. She reveals her theology in this moment. She had a, a idea, a theology that was common to a lot of Jews at the time, that they believed in the resurrection of the dead in the last days. So she had this concept, right, this theology in her mind that, yeah, yeah, I believe in that. I believe in that idea. And then Jesus' response to her is very profound. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. So what Jesus is saying to her, hey, that idea that you had, that theology that you have that exists in your mind, I am the fulfillment of that idea, that concept. I am the, I am the person who's taking a concept, putting flesh on it, taking a theo theological idea, putting flesh on it. I am him. I am here in the present day, right? And I'm not just, I'm not just a, an idea in your mind, but I'm a person who you can love. I'm a person who loves you. I am the fulfillment and the embodiment of what it means to have resurrection and life. And I'm here right now in front of you. See, Martha had a, a theology in her mind. Jesus was interested in moving that theology into her heart. Those are very different things. We can say we believe an idea, but until it's in our heart, it doesn't transform us, right? People say they believe in a lot of things. We all know this, even us, right? Yeah, I, I believe in getting healthy, absolutely. Eating right, I believe in it. So where are we going to lunch today? McDonald's? You know, like, and, and I'm as guilty as anybody. I had Chick-fil-A last night, okay? Um, so it's one thing to say we believe in idea. It's another thing for the idea to move from our head into our heart. And what Jesus is saying to Martha is, hey, Martha, it's possible that you've got some ideas that are in your head. I'm the embodiment and the fulfillment, and I want to move those truths from your head into your heart. Because when they're in your heart, it transforms who you are and how you live. And so this morning, can I share with you, I think, two truths that, that become real and become evident to us when we understand this statement by Jesus, when this statement that he is the resurrection and the life moves from our head to our heart, I think there's two things that transform us. And the first truth is this, that Jesus resurrects our now. Jesus resurrects our now. So you go on and, and, and Jesus says in verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me Though he die, yet shall he live, right? So whoever, whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Now what is Jesus saying right here? It's interesting, right? If you, if you read the rest of the story, we don't have time, but the rest of the story goes like this. Jesus goes to the tomb of Lazarus, and he uh, rolls the stone away. He calls out Lazarus from the grave. He resurrects Lazarus back to life. And it's this amazing moment where everybody uh, sees who Jesus is. They worship him. They glorify him. Jesus uh, is seen for the power that he has and the person that he is in this moment. But what ends up happening to Lazarus long term? Lazarus does not live forever, right? Lazarus ends up dying. In fact, there's multiple people who Jesus raised from the dead in his ministry, and every single one of them eventually died. They all did. And so what Jesus is saying is, hey, um, Dying is not the problem here. I, I, my resurrection is not just about you living forever. And, and it is about that. We're going to get to that. But it's also about you living now. 
It's also about me doing something in your heart and your life right now in the present. I want to resurrect what's dead in you now. And I was thinking about this. Um, how many of us know maybe there's times in your life that you've experienced this, or maybe you're in this moment right now where you are physically alive, but you don't feel like you're living. Maybe you lost a loved one. My wife and I, I know, lost, our, uh, lost her mom uh, a few years ago. And I remember even, even now there's moments, right, where you're alive. You're like, I know I'm alive, but I don't feel like I'm living. Maybe, maybe you're going through some of the worst moments of your life. Maybe you're going through some challenges and difficulties in relationships, in your marriage, in your work. Maybe you've lost loved ones. There's moments in life where we can feel, we, we know we're alive. We know we have a pulse, but we're not living. And can I tell you, there's a difference between being alive and being made alive. There's a difference between living and being resurrected from the dead. You and I have a God who is not just concerned about our eternity. He's not just concerned about our heaven, but he's concerned about resurrecting us in the here and now. For so much of my life, I remember I was in middle school. I was at a, um, I was at a summer camp, and I went up to an altar at a service, and I remember hearing God say to me, you're going to be a pastor one day. And I was kind of, I was raised in the church, so I had this concept, right, of what it means to be a Christian. And, and I struggled my entire life and still do from time to time with this, these two thoughts, these thoughts of inadequacy, right? These thoughts of, of I'm not good enough, I can't make it. And there was two things that jumped out at me the most. One was I don't have the ability, and the other one was I don't have the character. I looked around, I constantly compared myself to other people. Right? I was like, I'm not, a, I'm not a Pastor David or a Pastor Jason. or I'm not, I'm not this person or that. I, I, I'm not good at this. I'm not good at that. I can't do those things. I can't do that. And I was so uh, constantly aware of the things that I was bad at, the things that I wasn't qualified in. And then also, I looked at my own life and my own heart, and I'm like, I'm a messed up person. right? Like You know the thoughts you have that nobody else knows. You're like, I'm not a great person all the time. And so I was acutely aware of my lack of ability and my lack of character, and I felt like I can't do this Christian thing, right? This Christian life, which is about being a good person and, and uh, always doing the right thing and always going and saying the right place. Like, I'm not the guy who can, who can share Jesus with my friends and, and do all this stuff. And I constantly was filled with this sense of inadequacy. I wonder if this morning, maybe you can resonate with that. Like, maybe in here there's some moms who feel like you are inadequate as a mom. Don't kids have a way of making you feel like an absolute failure? Can some of the parents say amen? Right? Like, come on. Like, I mean, how many times, how many times you're like, I, I, why did I snap? Like, why did I say that? Why did, why, why did I have that bad attitude? Why did I flip out when the person cut me off in a Wegmans parking lot? Like, really? This is, what, this is who I am? Right? Like, I mean, there's moments, like, you know, that reveal our character, reveal the brokenness and the ugliness and how often in life do we feel completely inadequate? Do we feel like maybe our situation's hopeless? And this morning, I want to tell you that you serve a God who doesn't just resurrect your forever. He resurrects your now. And so if you're living in a place and you're like, my marriage is falling apart, my life is falling apart, I feel hopeless and broken, and maybe all you're doing is just trying to hold on till you get out of here, I believe Jesus is saying to you, that's not the life I desire for you. 
I've got something better. I want you not just to be alive. I want you to feel alive. I want you to be filled with my presence, right? I want you to be filled with the presence of the Holy Spirit, which bears fruit in your life. How many of you know that the Bible talks about the fruit of the Spirit, right? Peace and joy and love. It's not the fruit of your labor. It's the fruit of His Spirit. He works in you. He brings to life things that would never be alive without Him. And it's interesting, as I was thinking back on my life, um, I, I, I mean, I was deathly afraid of speaking in front of people. Now I have a job where I speak in front of people all the time, right? I, and I didn't, that wasn't me taking courses or me being great. It was God's sovereign work in my life, God doing things in me. I remember how selfish and, and, um, and, and just how terrible I used to be. And don't ask my wife because I still have a long way to go on that. But as I look back on myself, I can see the sovereign work of a supernatural God resurrecting dead things in me, bringing to life in me, me being more patient, more kind, more loving, and going, gosh, who I am now is so different than who I was 10 years ago. And who I, who I hope to be in 10 years will be so different than who I am now. Because God is in the business of resurrecting our now. So if you feel like a failure, if you feel inadequate, if you feel like your situation's hopeless, speak truth to your life today. You serve a supernatural God who doesn't just resurrect your future. He resurrects your now. He goes on. He goes on to Martha, and he says in verse 26, he says, And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. So he shifts a little bit of his focus now, right? At first he says, we're going to die, but you'll still live. And now he says, whoever believes in me shall never die. And Jesus reveals to us the, the, the second truth here, which is he doesn't just resurrect our nows, but he resurrects our forever. Right? Jesus is making a statement about the purpose that he has on, this, on his life and what he's going to do. And of course, as we said before, the story continues where not long after this, Jesus goes to the cross and he dies on the cross. And on the cross, what he does is he takes on all of the sin and the brokenness of all of humanity, including you and I. The worst parts about ourselves, the selfishness, right? All the stuff that we've done that no one else knows, but we know the thoughts that we've had. The worst parts about us, he takes on himself. And the penalty for our sin and our, and our death, Jesus takes on himself. And then he's resurrected, which means he overcomes, he beats sin and death. That's why Paul can say death has lost its sting, right? Because now all of a sudden he imparts onto you and I the life that he lived, the perfection that he lived. Our debt is made clear and our forever is made secure. Jesus did what we never could. And now he has redeemed and rescued and resurrected not just our here and now. He's not just made our life better in the present like some self-help book, but he's also secured our eternity with him. Now, church, I don't know if you realize how profound of a statement that is, because I think sometimes this is a statement that we, oh, yeah, yeah, we believe in heaven. Yeah, I believe in that. But it's only up here. It's not here. Because if we really believed in this truth that Jesus has resurrected our forever, it would change everything about how we live. In fact, what, what does this mean? What it means is Jesus is revealing to his disciples and to you and I that he has this eternal plan that for all of the Bible, starting in the book of Genesis, it all points to Jesus. He's the fulfillment of it, right? And then on the cross, it all leads up to this moment where he's uh, revealing his ultimate plan. And what is that plan? It's to rescue and redeem humanity. It's that none should perish, but all should come to him so that we can spend eternity with him in the new heavens and the new earth. That's his plan. 
And how does he want to accomplish it? He's invited you and I, the church, disciples of Jesus, who have experienced the resurrection power, to go and bring that resurrection power in the name of Jesus, in the word of the gospel, to the people that are around us who have not experienced it. Jesus is revealing his cosmic plan to rescue and redeem the world, and he's invited you and I to be a part of it. If we really believe that truth, wouldn't that change everything about who we are and what we do? I mean, wouldn't it transform the way we think about life? Think about these two perspectives. If your perspective is there's nothing beyond this world, well, then why not? If this is it, why not live it up, right? Why not have as much pleasure as you can, enjoy, enjoy life as much as you can? I mean, you can make the argument, hey, who cares about morality, right? Just live it up. I mean, after this, you're dead anyway. There's nothing beyond this. But if your perspective is that there's a creator of the universe and that this life is just a vapor compared to eternity, and it's a vapor where we've been invited to be a part of his mission, to bring others around us, our neighbors and our coworkers and our family members, our communities who don't know the hope and the resurrection power that's in Jesus. And we've been invited to be a part of that mission. If we really believe that, it would change everything. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. And as I do, here's, here's what I want to encourage you in. Think about, yesterday I was kind of working on my message and I was praying and, and, um, and the Holy Spirit kind of like really convicted me hard. Now if you've ever preached a message, this is one of the inevitable byproducts of preaching out of the Bible is God oftentimes will show you how you don't ever live up to the stuff you're preaching. Um, and we're thankful for God's grace and that we're not, we're not the example that he is. And he just convicted me and here's what he challenged me with. As I was thinking about this and saying, God, do I really have, do I have this perspective in my life that you have resurrected my forever? And he said, I want you to think about this past week and think about all the things that you worried and stressed about. And so I started to do that. I started to think about the stuff I worried and stressed about. And I was like, okay, you know, and, and maybe you're like me. Maybe you're in similar as you think about your week. Maybe it was finances. Maybe it was job, your job, stresses at your work and things that you couldn't control. Maybe it was relationships for you. Maybe it was a fight you had with your spouse or, or your kids. Maybe you, maybe you had a really bad situation uh, w- with a friend. or um, Maybe it's money. Maybe it's something surrounding corona. Maybe it's, maybe it's you stressed and worried about the fact that your political party may not win the next election. Maybe it's even just you worried about your sports team not winning this next week. Right? You think about the stuff that you stress and worry about. And and as I started to add all those things up, I just felt like God said, and how much have you worried about my mission? How much have you worried about your neighbors who don't know me and have not experienced the resurrection power in their life? How much have you worried about your coworkers or the people, the, the, the person who works at the grocery store that you shop? Or, or how, how much have you worried about gospel transformation in our community? How much have you worried about our church and, and the people that are sitting with us every Sunday and maybe seem like they're doing great, but they're not. They're hurting and they're broken inside. Like, how much have you thought about my mission and my plan for the forever? And I don't know about you, but for me, it was a conviction of the Holy Spirit to say in reality, God, I may say I believe that you resurrect the forever, but I don't live that way. It it hasn't moved from my head to my heart in the way that it needs to. Because if it does, all the things that we think are so important and so valuable, all of a sudden get perspective. How our kids do on their spelling tests all of a sudden gets perspective. 
how much money we make all of a sudden gets perspective. What someone did to offend you or, or hurt you all of a sudden gets perspective. Right? If we believe this, if this truth moves from our head to our hearts, it will change everything. And here's what I want to encourage you today is that Jesus... Jesus has invited you to be part of his plan of resurrecting individual lives, but res also resurrecting communities for him. He wants to transform Clay. He wants to transform Liverpool. He wants to transform New York. He wants to transform your neighborhood, your homes, your workplaces. He wants to do his resurrecting power in your life, and he wants you to be a part of it. Can we, just, can we begin to recognize that maybe it's possible we don't live like we actually believe that? If you would indulge me for a moment, would you just close your eyes? I, I want to take a moment and have you kind of do a heart assessment. And here's what I think that Jesus wants to say to us this morning. The question of why did Jesus allow Lazarus to die when he didn't have to is answered by him later on in this story. When he says, I'm doing this so that I can be honored, so that I can be glorified in the eyes of Martha and Mary and Lazarus and my disciples. See, Jesus understood the solution that you and I need here today. It's the same solution that Martha and Mary and Lazarus needed. It's the same one you and I need. It's the fact that Jesus has to be elevated and glorified in our hearts and our lives. The theology, the ideas that we may have in our minds that, yeah, I believe in God. Yeah, I believe in Jesus. Yeah, I believe in heaven. Yeah, I believe in all these things. It has to become more than just an idea that exists in our mind. It has to move to our hearts. We've got to fall in love with the person and the work of Jesus. We've got to be reminded of how much he desperately loves us and cares for us. And he wants to resurrect in us and through us. That has to become more evident. And the more that it does, the more that we're changed and the more that we can be changed for the people that are around us. Jesus wants to resurrect in the now and the forever.